You fast forward through maybe some of the, the heavy dialogue or, uh, and kind of skip to some of the action or maybe some of the laughs. I feel like that's kind of what we're doing a little bit today. We're going through three chapters. We're kind of fast forwarding a little bit through. Um, we're, we're not going to skip it. We're going to see some things from each chapter. So I normally tend to talk pretty fast when I preach. So I'm going to have to try to, you're going to have to keep up today. So strap in. We're about to, uh, uh, jump, to uh, jump to light speed here. So uh, we're going to pray. Then we're going to jump in and hopefully we'll get somewhere. Uh, hopefully we will. We're going somewhere and hoping to be a help to you this, this evening. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Lord, thank you for your great love for us. Lord, I pray that you would use your word tonight. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would, uh, Lord, the, the thoughts that you've given to me uh, as I've studied it, I pray it would be, uh, make an impact in our lives. Uh, Lord, as we see the success, the failures, uh, Lord, of your people, uh, but Lord, through it all, we see your faithfulness and your love for them in spite of their failures. Lord, I pray that you would help us and, uh, Lord, change us tonight. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. Who here enjoys moving? And not, I don't mean moving around. I mean moving from one house to another house, one state to another state. Does anybody actually enjoy that? I, for one, do not. Uh, and that's coming from someone who in the last, in less than two years, I've moved from New Jersey to Georgia for six months and then here to North Carolina. And, uh, but there's something about moving that, uh, for me, I, I suffer with uh, severe ADHD. I get distracted very easily. And as I'm packing everything up, you have to pack all of your things up, pack everything you own up, I'll inexplicably come across a book that I haven't seen or finished um, in months, years, and I will have to sit down and read it. Um, I'm not going to finish it there, but I, or, or, or I'll find a box of old photos, and I will sit down and I'll look through those photos. I'll take photos of the photos to send to family and friends. Uh, from years ago, things I totally forgot about, to people I totally forgot about. Uh, but moving has a way of causing you to be uh, 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 contemplative. I think I said that word right. Um, causing you to contemplate, re really be look inward at memories of that place, of accomplishments at that place, friends and family and uh, good times, bad times that, that took place in that place. And then there's also something about, uh, there's that middle part of packing everything up, putting it in the truck and moving it that we all hate, but then there's something about that excitement of going to a new place, of moving into a new home, of, of making a new house a home for you and your family, and the, the anticipation of, of what's to come. That's really what chapters 12 through 14 are about. The children of Israel, for about five years now, have battled. They've fought. And it's almost moving day, so to speak. And they're getting ready to move into the promised land. And, and we find them with uh, contemplation, looking back on what God has done over these last many years. I want you to imagine for a moment the children of Israel. Imagine yourself. Imagine that you are with, you're 100% certain of where you will retire. But it's going, and maybe you are. Maybe you say, I know exactly where I'm going to retire. And uh, it's just a couple of years away, perhaps. But uh, imagine you know 100% here's where I'm retiring, but it's not going to be for 45 years. And in that interim, I'm going to move about 50 times, maybe more. That's the children of Israel. They knew where they were going one day, 
But what took place over 45 years, just in that 40 years of wandering, Numbers, uh, Numbers 33 tells us that they moved 42 different times, that they picked up camp and moved somewhere else. And even in that, they were just wandering around aimlessly, seemingly, not, not quite aimlessly, but uh, they weren't getting to where they were going. And then now, these last five years in the book of Joshua, they've been with purpose, moving from place to place, conquering and claiming the land that God had given them. Each battle brought them closer to finally getting to settle the land that God had promised to Abraham's descendants 700 years before. So just want to give a quick walkthrough of chapters 12 to 14, and then leave you with three truths that I hope will be a help to you uh, tonight. Chapter 12, we're not going to read through chapter 12. I'm going to read one verse in chapter 12 that basically highlights the entire chapter. Uh, but it's one of those chapters uh, that maybe you speed read through. Uh, maybe if it was your speed test and Mavis Beacon teaches teaching, anybody remember that? Uh, you'd probably fail because uh, you're not going to be able to speed type through this with all of the names. And it says in verse 1, Now these are the kings of the land, which the children of Israel smote and possessed Jordan toward the rising of the sun. So I said I'll read one verse, but look at the last verse. And the king of Terza won all the kings, 30 and 1. So if you read through the whole chapter, it's really, it's just literally just a listing of this name, this name, this name, this name, of all these kings that they had conquered. Two of them, prior to this five-year period, uh, under the rule, uh, or uh, under the command of Moses uh, that they had defeated. And 29 of those kings in this five-year period under Joshua's command. But here's the truth there. God was faithful to deliver them time and time again as they followed him in obedience. And that's a big theme in the book of Joshua. As we follow God in obedience, he is faithful to deliver. He is faithful to provide. He is faithful uh, to give us good success. Then in Joshua 13, I love the way Joshua 13 starts. There's some verses in the Bible that just, just make me laugh in, uh, in, in, in how it's worded. Now Joshua was old and stricken in years. That's not something you say to your wife. That's not something you say to someone who is old and stricken in years. But then God says, and the Lord said, thou art old and stricken in years. And so basically God came to Joshua and said, Joshua, you're old and everybody knows it. We can tell. Uh, it, this is a little bit different than when he said to Abraham, thou art old and well stricken in years. Well stricken in years was a whole nother step further. Uh, you were um, not, not, not too much long left for you, Abraham. But Joshua was old. But here's what God said, thou art old and, well, and stricken in years, and there remaineth yet very much land to be possessed. Here's what God said, Joshua, you're old, you've accomplished much, but I'm not done with you yet. I've still got more for you to do. There's more land uh, to be conquered. There was still a lot of land to be conquered. We, we, we see in verses 1 through 5, he lays that out, exactly what that is, what, where he needs to go, what he needs to do. The end was near. But it wasn't done. And then from verse 16 into chapter 14 and verse 5, we find the dividing of the land. And so again, we're not going to read all those verses. It's very much just this person got this land, this person got that land here. And, and it's just a division of the land. You could read it for yourself if you're really uh, curious who got the bank of the river in Arnon. Uh, but there's a lot of that. A lot to be done. A lot to be divided. I'm sorry. I'm, your your laughter is going to make me laugh. 
In Numbers 34, um, as Moses comes to the end of his life in, in Numbers 34, he lines out exactly. Here, here's how you're supposed to, do, supposed to divide it, Joshua. He prepares them uh, for it. So now we find him five years later, and look at verse 7. Now therefore, divide this land for an inheritance unto the nine tribes and the half-tribe of Manasseh, with whom the Reubenites and the Gadites have received their inheritance, which Moses gave them beyond Jordan eastward, even as Moses the servant of the Lord gave them. Jump over to chapter 14 and the first three verses there. These are the countries which the children of Israel inherited in the land of Canaan, which Eleazar the priest and Joshua the son of Nun and the heads of the fathers of the tribes of the children of Israel distributed for inheritance to them. By lot was their inheritance, as the Lord commanded by the hand of Moses, for the nine tribes and for the half-tribe. For Moses had given the inheritance to two tribes and a half-tribe on the other side Jordan, but unto the Levites he gave none inheritance among them. From the, for the children of Joseph were two tribes, Manasseh and Ephraim, Therefore they give no part to the Levites in the land, save cities to dwell in with their suburbs for their cattle and their substances. So here's what, here's what all of that's saying. We're familiar with the 12 tribes of Israel, the 12 sons of Jacob, but really the way that it was broken down, uh, there were really 13 individual tribes that received some type of an inheritance. And it's, some, it's, it, it's explained there, but that goes back to Genesis 48 when Jacob is blessing his children as he's about to die. And when he comes to Joseph, part of Joseph's blessing was the claiming of Joseph's two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. They were both born in Egypt. And uh, in Genesis 48, verse 6, he said, uh, Speaking of them, which thou begettest after them, shall be thine, and shall be called after the name of their brethren in their inheritance. And so we have the 12 tribes of Israel, but Levi is taking out, taken out of them as far as inheriting land. And then you have the two tribes of the half tribe of Ephraim and Manasseh that both receive some land. And so that's where you get. It, it, though we know the 12 tribes, there were 13 divisions here. 12 divisions of land, and then the Levites didn't get land, they got the Lord. And, and, and said many times, they didn't receive land, their inheritance was God. They had the blessing and the opportunity of living among the people and serving them in the tabernacle and later in the temple. So back to the divisions, it, it, it speaks of that two and a half tribes. What is that talking about? Uh, back in Numbers 32... The tribes, as, as they're approaching the Jordan, the tribes of Reuben and Gad uh, basically say, hey, Moses, we like this land. Can we settle here? We have no interest in going over the other side of Jordan. And here's what Moses says in Numbers 32. Wherefore said they, we found, if we found grace in thy sight, let this land be given to thy servants for a possession and bring us not over Jordan. We said we, we have no interest in going over there. And Moses said unto the children of Gad and to the children of Reuben, Shall your brethren go to war, and shall ye sit here? He said, Hey, we're going to war. Your brethren are going to war. You're just going to sit back and relax and enjoy your land. He said, We're not having that. Wherefore, and wherefore discourage ye the heart of the children of Israel from going over into the land which the Lord hath given them. Basically, Moses said this. That's fine. You can have this land, but you must promise that when the time comes, you will go fight with your brethren on the other side of Jordan, and you will not return home until they have inherited their land. Because in reality, they helped the, other, the other tribes help them secure that land. And they said, that's fine. And so that's what he's, that's what he's uh, speaking of there, the two and a half tribes. So there we have all the division. We're going to see much more of that in, in weeks to come. 
of, of how it's broken up, and they agree, and somehow Manasseh says, hey, we want in on this, uh, because if, if you actually read Numbers 32, uh, Reuben and Gad say, hey, can we have this, and Moses said, that's great, and at the end, we find Manasseh's also kind of inserted themselves, they said, hey, we're going to stay here too. The end of chapter 14 is a really cool story, and we, we won't get into all of it, we're, we'll make a quick application, uh, but Caleb, you remember Caleb? Caleb and Joshua, you remember singing the song, uh, 12 men went to spy in Canaan, 10 were bad, 2 were good, right? These are the two that were good. Caleb and Joshua, they were the ones that said, we can do this, and really not we can do this, but God can do this. God's got us. We can conquer the promised land, because God told us we could. doesn't matter how big they are, doesn't matter how strong they are, doesn't matter how uh, fenced their cities are, we've got this because God has us. But of course, those 10 discouraged the rest of the people, and they wandered for those 40 years. But Caleb approaches Joshua and says, I want the mountain that God promised me. He's 85 years old and ready to go, just as Joshua. They were both old and stricken in years, but they still had so much more to give. That really is the summary of Joshua 12 to 14. I'm going to give you three takeaways from this. The title of the message is this, looking ahead and looking behind. And the truth is, we need to regularly in our lives look behind, I said that backwards, looking back and looking ahead. Um, we need to regularly look, look back and we need to regularly look ahead. But I'll caution you with this, that though we need to look behind and though we need to look ahead, we cannot do it at the expense of living today. Too many people uh, live in the past, like Uncle Rico, and uh, dwelling on what he was able to do in the past, and, and, and all the things, and the good old days, and there's others uh, that live in the past, and so defeated by their failures, and, and not able to move forward. But then there's others who long for the future, long for better times, long for more money, long for a better situation that the future offers. But if we fail to live in the present, we'll fail to honor the past, we'll fail to learn from the past, and we'll fail to simultaneously set ourselves up, uh, we'll, we'll simultaneously set ourselves up for failure in the future, if we're living in the future or in the past. We must live today while looking behind and looking ahead. So three thoughts tonight and a statement with each. The first one is this, consider the past. Consider the past. When I consider the past, I will appreciate God's faithfulness and acknowledge my failures. British evangelist uh, Alan Redpath said this, sometimes in the course of human experience, it's good to sit down and to re reflect on what has been conquered by the grace of God. It's good for us to every now and then sit down and think of what God has done for you. Think of what, how good God has been to you. Uh, consider God's faithfulness to, to deliver, to lead, to provide. A few verses, uh, Deuteronomy 32.7. Remember the days of old. Consider the years of many generations. Ask thy father and he will show thee. Thy elders and they will tell thee. Uh, Psalm 77, verses 11 through 12, the Bible says this, I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember the wonders of old. I will meditate also of all thy work and talk of thy doings. And no doubt tonight we could go around the room and talk about how God has been good to us, about how God has blessed us, about how God has been faithful. We sing the song often, uh, but from the moment that I wake up, 
until I lay my head, oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. All my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. Consider God's goodness. But then also considering the past, one thing we'd be remiss to, to miss is uh, to consider our failures in, in faith and obedience. The decisions that we make in faith and obedience impact our lives and impact the next generation. Consider the impact of the lack of faith of an entire generation uh, back in Exodus and in Numbers as they doubted God's ability to deliver them from uh, the, 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 the people of the land. An entire generation missed the blessing of the promised land. And the following generation had to grow up and raise their children wandering in the wilderness. And what an impact their failure made. Consider the impact of the disobedience of Achan, uh, not just on his family, but on the families of the 3,000, I believe it was 3,000, no, 3,000 that went, I don't remember how many died, but it was something like 50, still, a lot of people, uh, who, who lost loved ones because of one man's disobedience, one man's unfaithfulness. Consider the impact, look, at, look, look in chapter 13 and verse 13. Uh, one of the failures that we find here in this passage, nevertheless, the children of Israel expelled not uh, the Geshurites and the Machathites, but the Geshurites and Machathites dwell among the Israelites unto this day. And the impact that would make for generations of having those people dwell there. But I'm thankful for this. In spite of our failures, in spite of our lack of faith, Aren't you thankful for God's goodness, God's mercy, and God's grace in your life and in my life? So consider the past. Number two is this. Continue to push forward. Continue to push forward. Uh, when he spoke to Joshua in Joshua 13, he said, Joshua, you've accomplished a lot. We've reviewed that. We've seen that. We remember that. And now you're very old, but there's still more for you to do. And when I continue to push forward, I bring glory to God and good to my family. Although much had been accomplished, there was still more to be done. Joshua could have rested. I defeated 29 kings. I've accomplished so much. It's time to retire. He was likely, uh, from, from Caleb's testimony, I think they were both the same age, 85 years old. Uh, he's beyond retirement age, not necessarily biblical retirement age, but uh, he, he could have retired. He could have said, that's enough. Let's divide what we've got. We've accomplished quite a bit. Let me say this, there's a big difference between being content with my life and being complacent in my living. I'll say it again, there's, there's a big difference between being content with my life and being complacent in my living. It doesn't matter how old we get, there's more progress that can be made while still being content with how God has blessed us and with what God has done for us. And the truth is, no matter our age, no matter our past accomplishments, uh, no matter uh, th if there's still life in us, there's still battles to fight. Uh, there's still souls in need of the gospel. There's still progress to be made. Galatians 6, 9, let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Let's wake up every day with the realization that uh, if we wake up, that means God has a plan for me. God has a purpose for me. So determine you're going to push forward. 
So consider the past, continue to push forward, and then last tonight is this, claim God's promises. Claim God's promises. When I claim God's promises, I experience God's goodness and grace. In Joshua 14, if you want to look there, uh, down in uh, verse number 6, we find the children of Judah beginning to receive their inheritance And in comes Caleb. The children of Judah came into Joshua and Gilgal, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said unto him, Thou knowest the thing that the Lord said unto Moses, the man of God concerning me and thee in Kadesh Barnea. Forty years old was I when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to espy out the land, and I brought him word again, as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me, made the heart of the people melt, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land whereon thy feet have trodden shall be thine inheritance, and thy children's forever, because thou hast wholly followed the Lord my God. And now behold, the Lord hath kept me alive, as he said, these forty and five years, even since the Lord spake this word unto Moses, which uh, while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now, lo, I am this day fourscore and uh, and five years old, eighty-five years old, As yet I am as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me. As my strength was then, even so is my strength to come in and to go out. He said, I'm ready to battle. Now, therefore, give me this mountain whereof the Lord spake to me in that day. So he comes to Joshua and says, Joshua, you remember that day. 45 years ago, you remember that awful day when, when the people turned against Moses and the people turned against God. But Moses promised us. And Moses promised me that I could have that land. And I've, I've come to claim God's promise. Uh, this isn't some name it and claim it. To, and I, I want wealth and I want health. And if I just pray in the name of Jesus, he'll give me whatever it is that I want. No, this was an actual promise of God. And Caleb was with boldness saying, I'm claiming God's promise. And he comes boldly to Joshua to receive it. And the same way. Aren't you thankful that we can come boldly before the throne of grace? A greater Joshua, Jesus, we can come boldly before his throne and lay claim to the promises that he has given to us. A few verses about some of the promises of God, and they're just, uh, they're awesome. Uh, 2 Peter chapter 1, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. According as his divine power hath given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature. Uh, 1 Corinthians 2, 9, but as it is written, I hath not seen, ear hath, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for those that love him. Ephesians chapter 3, this is one of my favorite passages. And to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. God is not only able to do incredible things in our lives and with our lives, but he wants to. He wants to use us. He wants to fulfill these promises In our lives. An amazing thing about the promised land is this. God promised it to Abraham, as I said earlier, about 700 years prior. 
just think of that time gap. I, I don't know a whole lot about my family history. The only, the only part that I really do know uh, is that my dad's mom's side, uh, her parents were Russian Jews that uh, came to America, and I think it was 1903. I like to think that my family's uh, story was the inspiration of the story of the Fiddler on the Roof. Um, almost the same, same scenario. But that was only 120 years ago. I don't know what my family was up to back in 1323. I don't know where they were, but I can tell you this. They've not left me an inheritance of land 700 years later, as far as I know. In Numbers 34, Moses not only gives them how they're supposed to break it down, but he actually gives the dimensions. He says the land is your measure the land from here to here and uh, to each side. There's some debate um, from scholars, and depending on who and how you in, in, in interpret these, but anywhere from about 150,000 square miles to 300,000 square miles. Uh, which, to give you perspective, is somewhere between the size of California and Texas. That's the land God promised. That's the land God intended. But when we look at Scripture and what they actually conquered and what they actually occupied, it's only about 10,000 square miles, about the size of New Jersey. So what's not debated about this is God had greater plans than they ever took hold of. God had so much he wanted to give them, and, and as you read through scripture, we understand one day that will be Israel's, one day that is going back to them, but, but in this time, they had the opportunity to have so much that God had for them, but they took so little, about 10% of it was all they took. How many of us go through life with exceeding great and precious promises, with no comprehension of the things God has prepared for us? Uh, with a God that's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think. I have quite an imagination. God's able to do far above that. And yet, like the children of Israel, we're content with just a portion, with just a part. Not laying claim to what God has purposed and planned for us. So I'll finish with this. Consider the Apostle Paul. Consider the past. Continue to push forward. Claim God's promises. Uh, but if you have your Bibles, turn to Philippians chapter 3. We'll end with this. Two verses. Philippians 3, 13 to 14. The Apostle Paul is sitting in prison as he writes this. Nearing the end of his life. And here's what he says. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. He's saying, I've not arrived. I still have so much left to do. But this one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind... Paul's not saying I have no memory of what's happened in my past. He writes much of his trials, his tribulations, and his successes. But what he's saying is I'm not distracted by them. And reaching forth into those things which are before, I press toward the mark. And like an Olympic runner to which he's alluding to, he pushes forward. He makes up more ground. Though he begins to grow weary, and though his, the pains throughout his body and his soul intensifies as he pushes on, he presses on for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. He says there's a promised prize awaiting for those that run their race faithfully. And so may we, like the author of Hebrews says, let us run with patience the race that's set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author of and the finisher of our faith. Let's pray tonight. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. 
Lord, thank you for, uh, Lord, how it affects us, how it impacts us, and Lord, how it can transform us. Lord, I pray you take these simple truths, Lord, from these three chapters, and Lord, I pray that we would take them, apply them, Lord, we consider our past. We continue to push forward, and we lay claim to the promises that you've given us. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, let's stand to our feet. Matt's going to sing uh, for our invitation tonight. And let's just think about um, the message um, tonight. As Matt sings, if you need a place to pray, the altar's open tonight. As I look back.